The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This week on your favorite soap opera, it's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and this week we're back live, just as the title of the show implies, with our weekly discussion about anything and everything soap. For those of you who thought there wouldn't be a show last week because of the Thanksgiving holiday, you were wrong. But you know you were right at the same time. There wasn't a live show, but there was a brand new show featuring an interview I did with Victoria Rowell, who of course you know as Trusilla on The Young and the Restless. It was an interview that was never aired or published before, so if you missed the show last week, you're definitely going to want to head over to SoapCentral.com radio and listen to the show when you have a moment. Of course, while you're there, you can also listen to any of the other episodes of Soap Central Live that have aired to date. One of the things that I enjoy about doing this show is really being able to read your feedback and thoughts on each installment of Soap Central Live as it happens. That was particularly true with the show from last week. Since it wasn't live, I wasn't really able to pick up on your live feedback to know how things were going and to change anything. But what I did do was check out the SoapCentral.com message boards to see what you guys thought of the show, and I found that many listeners were surprised by the depth of discussion in the interview with Victoria because I think maybe they expected something sensationalist or over-the-top. And that's not how I do things on the show. I think you probably know that by now. I want this to really be a place where soap fans can learn things about their favorite actors and shows and where the stars can come to talk without fear of things turning into a, a Jerry Springer episode. After all, we're all soap fans. And you know what, that actually gives me a really good opportunity to segue into today's show, because over the past couple of years, it seems that we've been talking about the dreaded C-word, cancellation, far too often. We've lost passions, guiding light, and as the world turns. But now as 2010 comes to a close, I think the news is decidedly more optimistic. Days of Our Lives and The Young and the Restless have both been given new multi-year deals, and unofficially, The Bold and the Beautiful has also been renewed. So hopefully we won't be talking any more about the soaps going off the air anytime soon. What we will be talking about this week, though, is how the soap opera genre has changed from the days of radio to what you're seeing on the air right now. I'm sure you can imagine there have been a lot of changes. And more importantly, we're also going to discuss what needs to be done in order to make uh, make sure that the soaps stay on the air. So let me get to my first guest. My first guest is a journalist and, like all of us, a soap fan. Sam Ford is also the co-author of the new book, The Survival of Soap Opera, Transformations for a New Media Era. In working on this book, I guess that he's become somewhat of a soap opera historian as well, so let's find out some of the things that he's learned from writing this book. Sam, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thanks a lot, Dan. Happy to be here. I introduced you as a soap fan and maybe a bit of a soap opera historian now, so let's get into the nitty-gritty here. What's your background with the soaps? How did you get interested in soaps? And then we'll segue into how this book came about. So let's get your soap opera background, your pedigree. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And one of, the, one of our premises in the book is we talk to academics as we talk to soap opera, people active in the soap opera fan community, critics and uh, people in the soap opera industry, is that we're all soap opera fans and that we should all be proud and happy about that because when this genre is at its best, it does things that no other uh, television genre or storytelling genre can do. Uh, and that uh, is particularly apropos as I think about my own history with soaps. Uh, my history, particularly with As the World Turns, uh, started from before I can remember. Um, it was my grandmother's story. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my mom grew up with it on in the house, and 
similar to me, you know, most of her, her conscious memory came with that show on every day. And uh, so I likewise grew up uh, uh, not only with the show on in the house, but listening to my mom and grandma talk every day after, uh, after the show went off the air about what had happened, about what was going to happen, et cetera. <laughs> so I came from a big family, but I felt like I had an extended family of, uh, of Hughes and Lowell's and Oakdale. Well, since you were an As the World Turns fan, that makes me want to ask you the question, since that show's no longer on the air, what do you think of the general state of soap operas as we prepare to enter into 2011? You know, I, I think certainly in the genre and in the fan community alike, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of consternation, a lot of concern, and uh, occasionally a lot of finger-pointing at why uh, this has happened. But, but, you know, to be certain... Uh, there is a feeling of, of loss and a little bit of uh, despair uh, about where soaps are at, uh, especially when you consider that many, many soap fans are fans particularly of one certain show. Um, right. And, and how tough it is to see something you've dedicated decades of your life to that I think born you know, had, in the very kernel of the show, there is some promise that this is a world without end. That you know you can dedicate much like a sports franchise, you can dedicate yourself to this entertainment property, and it's never going to go anywhere. Even if you do, you may be the prodigal prodigal son and and head out and not watch as I did for a few years when I was in high school or started college. And but you, you could tune back in, and there's there's Doctor Bob and and Kim. You know, right. They hadn't gone anywhere, and you could catch back up just as you could with people in real life. So I think. Uh, you know, among soap opera fans in the, in the community, there you know it is very disconcerting to see, especially Guiding Light and As the World Turns, go off the air. Yet we're also seeing shows that have, you know, been remarkably resilient and networks that have still been quite dedicated to keeping the day part alive, and, and particularly soap operas. And, and we've seen likewise uh, a lot of uh, talk recently about a new value being put on Boomer viewers. We've seen NBC say uh, the, the the logic of only marketing to 18 to 34 year olds or 18 to 49 year olds uh, no longer makes sense. And you know, now that boomers are crossing that threshold with a lot of disposable income, right? Grown up in a mass consumer culture, and I think you know hopefully that means there are a lot of promising signs on the horizon as well for the the six soaps that remain on the air. Well, the title of your book is The Survival of Soap Opera, Transformations for a New Media Era. Let's First of all, where did the idea come from to work on this project? So I have uh, always been fascinated with studying and understanding the entertainments that I, where I spend my time. And it was all partially, of course, always a justification for why I spend my time there. So uh, when I was an undergraduate, I did a lot of research and work on the world of pro wrestling, which is a soap opera in its own right Definitely. in many, many ways. Um, <laughs> and, and so I was really interested in all the parallels between my lifelong fascination with pro wrestling and my lifelong fascination with soaps. And as a grad student at MIT, uh, I did a, my master's thesis work and taught a course at MIT on the U.S. soap opera and, hmm. and, and its transformation into a digital era. And in the process, I found a lot of really smart people in the industry who were thinking about some of those same issues. A lot of other academics, both established scholars and people who are getting their PhDs or in master's programs, who were doing research about soaps today. And to be fair, a lot of people in the academic world, in media studies, television studies, often talked about soap operas as if they were a past tense genre. Uh, in the 80s, especially, there was a lot of really groundbreaking academic work done on soaps. So a lot of people still taught that in their classes, but they almost talked about soaps as if they were a phenomenon of, of years past. And we thought there's still a lot of really interesting stuff happening in the soaps world. And, uh, and there are a lot of really smart people in the fan community and the critics world, especially in the online critics world. So uh, I talked with Gail and, and with Lee as well. And we decided to bring a lot of those people together and write uh, a volume that isn't just an academic book, but that includes contributions from actors, from writers, from critics, from active fans, to talk about you know, where soaps are at today, but also what is the real differentiators, what do soaps bring to the table that are unique and can't be replicated elsewhere, and to structure the book that way. Well, we have uh, about three minutes until we have to take our break, but can you take readers or potential readers through a walkthrough of the book is divided as you mentioned into four parts 
what can readers expect? How does it start off, and, and what sort of path do we take through this book? Absolutely. Our, our thought was to take a problem-solution approach. And our job as the editors weren't to make one argument that carries its way through the book. We have contributions from a couple dozen people uh, coming at this from a, a real variety of perspectives. But we divided that work as we, you know, as we commissioned these pieces, as we talked to people about doing these pieces and started collecting them, we saw some themes arise. So we structured the book. First section looks at the challenges soap operas find themselves in today. Looks at things like budget cuts and cancellations and, and, and the, the, uh, the different logics that we see at work in the soap opera world, uh, you know, as, as the, the business angle comes at it versus vis-a-vis the storytelling angle as we look at the changing relationships soaps have with their fans, et cetera. And, and, and that first section really sets up where we're at today. Um, and then the next three sections look at what we think are the three key elements of the soap opera genre that really sets it apart, that really shows where soaps are so creative, uh, still have a real drawing power, and you know, are the reasons why soap opera fans, millions of them, still watch these shows, and millions more care about these shows even if they're not watching currently. Right. So we have the, the section, section two is on capitalizing on the deep history of these shows. Section three is about experimentation with production and distribution and camera work and editing and what we call transmedia storytelling, uh, uh, which is you know, storytelling across media platforms, for instance, blogs, Twitter, et cetera, uh, online video series. And the, the final section looks at how soap operas might learn from their really diverse audiences, both the changing relations uh, in an online world between soap fans and the soaps, but also looking at uh, 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 gay soap fan culture or uh, older soap fans and the role in online communities that older viewers play, even though to advertisers they aren't particularly valued. Right. Uh, in particular, one of the central arguments our book makes is that soap operas are definitively transgenerational. Uh, you know, much like my story handed down from my grandmother to my mother to me, uh, and soap operas being a common thread for all of us, right. um, we find that's how soaps uh, have gained and sustained viewers over the year and one of the over the years and one of the big problems with the genre is when you target one particular age group and, and are, are being told to market shows just to them when these shows by their very nature should appeal across uh, across generational bounds hmm. well we're just getting started with today's discussion and I'm already enjoying it so for listeners out there do you think that soaps are on their way out you can share your thoughts with us by calling in to 866-472-5788. That is a toll-free number. And, of course, you can always tweet us at Soap Central Live. When we come back from the commercial break, we'll add two more guests to our discussion panel. So stay tuned for more of Soap Central Live after the break. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, soap fans. Are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
wielding power, shaping environments and outcomes, and making things happen are all essential characteristics of great leaders. Yet these qualities alone are not enough to ensure your success. In a complex world, how do you decide what's most important to you? In your career, your relationships, your finances, your family, in the world around you, in the whole of your life at large. Dr. Joseph Riggio, the host of Leadership Intuition, says that personal leadership, the desire to take charge of your life, is the key to creating futures that work and building a life worth living. Join Joseph as he reveals the power of uncovering and living your own personal mythology, the key to personal transformation, exquisite performance, and social influence. Learn to look inside and discover your personal mythology and unique leadership style. Go beyond conventional advice and discover your unique success blueprint on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, power, achievement, relationships. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. And our discussion this week about the survival of the soap opera genre. I'm rejoined by Sam Ford, the author of the new book, Survival of Soap Opera. Sam, welcome back. Thank you. Now, to the best of my knowledge, my next guest is the first person with a Ph.D. to visit Soap Central Live. So what is Abigail DeKosnick, a woman with a Ph.D. in comparative literary studies from Northwestern University, doing talking about the soaps? Is she a fan? Is she looking at it simply as a research project? Does she have amnesia and not know who she really is? Well, let's find out. Abigail, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thanks, Dan. Um, All of the above, except maybe the amnesia. As soon as my evil twin sister came to town, I remembered who I was all of a sudden. Um, Good. I I went to get my uh, Ph.D. in comparative literary studies in order to study soap operas. Among other things, I really felt that the future of um, what we used to call literary studies was really going to be about narrative and production and circulation and interpretation um, in all kinds of media. And I was convinced that what I had to do was go somewhere where I could have free reign to study every kind of genre imaginable and every kind of media imaginable. Um, And thank goodness, um, comparative literary studies allowed me to do that, uh, but um, I also owe a great deal of debt to the Radio Television Film Department at Northwestern, which was um, where I did a lot of my work on this. As far as my pedigree goes, General Hospital viewers since 1979. I was six years old, and the very first episode I saw was the birth of H.A. Quartermain. Okay. No, it's it's always nice to know that people who are involved in these projects, I don't want to necessarily say a vested interest, but that they're soap fans, that there's maybe some sort of passion behind there. So it's nice to see that both you and Sam have that fire and passion. We're lucky in that I was a dedicated ABC and NBC viewer, and Sam was a very dedicated CBS viewer. So between us, I feel like we our fandom <laughs> covers every soap opera that has aired in our lifetimes. Right, Sam? Yeah, absolutely. It was one of the things that was driving force behind our the book that we put together. I think if you look across the collection, there are people who have relationships or histories viewing all of the all of the modern shows and several shows long gone, Ryan's Hope and The Edge of Night, in particular, uh, come up at, at various points. But Santa Barbara. 
Santa Barbara. One of the things we asked of our contributors uh, was that they include a line in their bio in the book, not just about you know their their professional backgrounds, but also their personal background and history with the soaps, and 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 the fact and highlight the fact that they're fans. And we had a couple of people who ultimately aren't didn't become involved in the project because they didn't feel that personal connection to the soaps, and we really wanted to have a book that was an intervention into the genre where it's currently at. Well, we've mentioned previously in the first segment that this is an academic book, but you don't necessarily have to be an academic to find it interesting. What I'm personally interested in finding out, though, for both of you in doing this book and in doing the research, was there anything that you learned in writing this book that maybe surprised you or caught you off guard? Well, we were lucky enough to have a number of actors soap opera staff writers, and uh, also soap opera industry journalists like yourself, people who had uh, written or been editors for some of the magazines that follow soap operas, we were surprised at how seriously they take fan feedback. Um, I, I don't know if that surprised you, Sam, but I was, I was pleased to hear so many of our interview subjects and our contributors refer again and again to reading online message boards and to really taking quite seriously what fans were trying to tell them about the state of soap operas today. And at the same time, I found that quite disconcerting because although they were deeply, they all said they were very deeply interested in what fans thought, there also wasn't quite the the room for them to be responsive to the requests that they were fielding, or perhaps it was because the requests were often quite contradictory and, and they <laughs> couldn't um, manage to translate a lot of that feedback into direct action. Sam, do you think, was it the same for you or no? I, I, absolutely. I think uh, when I, being a lifelong soap opera fan and involved in the academic world, when I first started researching soaps, I was really interested in how the soap opera genre did not, uh, you know, was falling behind in so many ways in the digital era compared to a place like, you know, a, a product like pro wrestling, which has thrived right. in the digital era. And, and, and what I found was, of course, that many, many people in the industry are not backward thinking or, you know, keep very much keep up with what fans think, what late, the latest trends are, uh, et cetera. And, and I was surprised by, uh, the fact that you know there are a lot of institutional factors and reasons why these shows haven't been able to do things that that often people in the genre would love to see, but you know there are budget constraints or there are constraints. One of the biggest constraints soaps face, I think, is that they are still soaps. They are a a vehicle for selling advertisements and nothing beyond that. Whereas right. you know, pro wrestling, for instance, is also a live event and has DVD sales and pay-per-view events and all these other uh, streams of revenue. Uh, the fact that you know that, that soaps usually are still thought of as something that airs one time and doesn't have each individual episode doesn't have much value afterward. And, and, and to Gail's point, I was also surprised at the um, at some of the pushback from the industry in general. At, at, at people speaking out and, and, and building public relationships with fans, being responsive to fans, or saying what they think about the future of the genre. So I was very proud of the people who took part in our book and a lot of the people in the soap opera industry who have gotten engaged in this more serious discussion because, to be honest, it, there is sometimes some risk involved because it is a fairly conservative industry when it comes to talking about the state of, of where the genre is at. We have a call, but before that, we're talking about soap fans, and we've, we've mentioned that a couple of times. Let's address the misnomer, one, that soaps are only watched by housewives, and discuss from your research, who is watching soap operas? Let's start with, uh, go back to Sam. Sure. Yeah, I think age plays a big, an important part of this. Uh, one of the problems isn't just who watches, but how we look at who watches. And, and, and as we think about only demographics, like I've said before, it, it really misses the point in many ways of the social communal ways people watch soap. So it's not as much about the individual viewer that is either in this age range or that age range, but the relationships those, those two have. So if you say, ah, the older viewers aren't actually important to advertisers, so they're not important to us, well, actually they're the glue that kept 
a younger generation involved in many cases. So I think that is one thing that we've seen. We, you know, we've also seen that there are other you know, African-American viewers of soaps, and people don't often think about the very substantial African, especially female African-American viewership, gay male soap fans, as we were talking about before, that we saw mm-hmm. rise up with the Luke and Noah storyline and other places quite actively. The, you know, the, these groups that advertisers aren't necessarily looking for, but that are actually really passionate about the genre. And yeah, and I'd like to add that um, it's been a very long time since women flooded into the American workplace. Um, they, I, I've been involved with soap opera fan communities for a long time, and I, I'd be hard-pressed to think about you know, the percentage of housewives, of stay-at-home wives and moms being among the, the, the women who participate in those communities um, being higher than 10% or so with time shifting technologies like VCR and the DVR right. um there have been so many more outlets for women who work to consume soap operas at you know any time they want to or to do marathon viewing on weekends or to catch up with YouTube clips you know well at work maybe and uh, and I and I think that uh we can't discount the fact that working women um have still carry their love of soaps despite the fact that they're not uh, quote unquote trapped at home and right. have nothing else to watch on television, you know. And soap fans who don't watch. I mean, I think one of the most substantial problems the genre currently has is the way is the great number of people who care about the soaps who keep up with them in ways other than watching, and especially other than ways and watching ways of watching that the industry can track and count. Well, we have a soap fan now who wants to ask a question. It's Melissa from Georgia. Uh, we're getting ready to go to break, but let's get Melissa in beforehand. Melissa, welcome to Soap Central Live. Carla, your name sounds familiar. It, it, it should sound a little familiar. Uh, I'm a big fan of yours, Sam, <laughs> and Abigail. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask um, that there's a lot of discussion about the decline of soap operas, but when you take a step back, it really is remarkable that, that they've lasted this long, that it's such a, a durable genre starting in 1930 and here we are in 2010. Doing the project, what did you, what did you learn or what came evident about why soap operas are such a, a durable medium? That's a good question. Soap operas were built to be continuous from generation to generation, I believe. Um, when you look at the very earliest, if you, or if you, actually on YouTube, you can find the radio versions of Guiding Light, for instance, which I teach to my students sometimes. And you can hear the intergenerational play, the way that parents are talking to children about very serious issues, the way that grandparents are involved from the very beginning. Um, and I think that the intergenerational aspect, the family, aspect of soap operas um, has made it so compelling to viewers across generations. If you think about Sam's story of watching As the World Turns with his grandmother and his mother, for instance, or I was introduced to soap operas by my teen, I was six years old, but my elder sisters were were teenagers at the time. Um, I think that's the way soap operas work for audiences is they speak across generations, not just to a single demographic. Well, we have to, unfortunately, we have to go to great. primetime shows get increasingly complex and serialized and, and in many ways uh, building on or at least being related to uh, what have set daytime soaps apart in so many ways. There are still a few differentiating factors that make daytime soaps particularly different, and that is the expectation that they're permanent, that they'll last forever, uh, that I think really draws people into it. You know that that, that you could you know, leave these people for a few years, come back to them. Uh, that that all, you know, that that Pine Valley will be there after I'm gone, etc. But well, also we'll these we'll extensive backstories be uh, that people. The break. You Let's, can be a dedicated uh, fan of most okay. genres and watch <laughs> and even almost memorize every episode. But that's impossible for a soap opera, and a lot of people, I think, especially the historians amongst us, are really fascinated by digging into a genre where there's so much history to keep up with and study and talk about and discuss with other fans, et cetera. And I think you know, those, those extensive backlogs of characters and that decades of history that these shows have to draw on and bring back up adds the sort of nuance that, that, that soaps can do that, that no other genre can. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're still awaiting a call from Tristan Rogers, everybody. So let's 
Come back here in about two minutes with more of Soap Central Live. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, soap fans. Are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment? Or you just want to dish, please call in at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or drop a line to radio at soapcentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Soap Central Live. We are still awaiting Tristan Rogers to join our panel, but we're joined again by Sam Ford and Abigail DeKosnick, who are co authors of. The Survival of Soap Opera, Transformations for a New Media Era. Welcome back, guys. Thanks, Sam. Well, since we're talking new media, it's right there in the title of the book. Let's talk a little bit about the Internet. Now, there's been some, I guess, anecdotal evidence that the Internet has supposedly brought down the soap opera. Uh, So I guess the question that everybody wants to know is, is it my fault that their favorite soap has been taken off the air? Uh, (laughs) I say that only in, in... slightly in jest because, you know, there seems to be a negative connotation to the Internet, at least in regards to soap. So did you find anything about that in your research? Quite the contrary. I would say that fandoms um, pertaining to soap operas were super energized by the World Wide Web, that we had some fans who participated in online communities and who were moderators contribute pieces to the book, and um, then also just based on our own experiences, our dialogues with um, many other soap fans um, in general, people, the internet was made, tailor-made to discuss a daily unfolding narrative, and fans swarmed to the internet as soon as they could and started talking about their favorite soap, started dishing about it. I think that where the if there was harm done to soap operas from the Internet, it was perhaps in a period of confusion when so many online fan battles, meaning fan groups invested in one storyline or another, one couple versus another, or, or one character versus another, I think that a lot of conflicting feedback uh, probably 
was confusing to to the shows. But again, as I said earlier, shows also didn't quite know what to do with the flood of responses to the shows they were getting online and reading Hmm. on fan message boards, too. So in terms of the Internet's relationship to television in general, sure, there's been impact to television viewing. And um, the, the, the television market is fragmented today. And some of that is not just new media meaning the Internet, but new media meaning, frankly, cable and the proliferation of, of cable channels also. Um, but gaming and the Internet as, as alternate uh, pot, you know, channels of, of uh, entertainment have hurt television. Um, but I'm not sure that, that we can say that the Internet harmed soap operas. And any online soap fan would say that online fandom has a huge potential to reinvigorate soap operas and soap fandom. You know, I think there are several aspects of online culture that have have changed, or as Gail said, have occasionally brought harm to the soap operas. Sure, uh, not only are those those the fan wars that uh, that Gail mentioned. I think sometimes you can have uh, 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 the internet internet fan discussions can become a bit of an echo chamber, and and negative opinions can can rise especially fast in those circumstances. Uh, I think that. As you think of the two main draws of the genre, one being what's hap- what will happen next, and of course the cliffhanger of the soap opera has always been built on that. Uh, that has been damaged somewhat by the soap opera because it's now commonplace to know what's going to happen next, and, and so you can't pull off like the great surprise of James Stenbeck rising from uh, uh, you know, on as the world turns, rising up with his Hello Barbara. You know, it would be hard to pull off today. Uh, but on the other hand. That's not the the only reason why people watch, and and I think what we've seen is a lot of people don't watch soap operas just to know what will happen next, but also now how is everyone going to react once it's happened? Uh, soap operas are about studying the emotions in characters' faces and debating what is that person thinking, how are they going to react to this, what happens when they decide to retell the story, and what will they leave out, and what will they emphasize? Soap operas are very much about the dynamics of community and how people talk. So that's what drives fan discussion, you know, uh, and that's why I think, uh, as Gail said, fan discussion boards are so important for soaps. Uh, as fewer, as there are fewer viewers than there once were, you don't necessarily know a bunch of people on your block that you can talk about the soaps with, but you have you can communities online. of people across the country who you can discuss them with online. And I think what we've seen is, and I've seen soap fans say this, again, only anecdotally, I haven't done a deep study on this, but often say, I would have stopped watching this show, I'm bored with the storylines, I would have quit watching, but then it would mean I, we could, we, I would have to quit taking part in these conversations. And what keeps me invested in this show is the fact that I come here every day or several times a week to talk about the show with, with you people, whatever wow. community of people they're involved with. So uh, in that way, the Internet becomes the social glue um, that helps hold viewers to these shows. I think every soap fan thinks that their soap is the most special soap. When that makes me think of a comment that was made by CBS head honcho Les Moonves uh, after the cancellation of Guiding Light and As the World Turns, something to the effect of, only the special soaps are going to survive. So my question, we'll start with Abigail, is what do you make of this statement? And secondly, Guiding Light was the longest-running scripted program in broadcast history, so if it isn't special, then what is? Absolutely. I'm not the only soap opera fan that's been often very frustrated by executive pronouncements about why soaps aren't working or aren't appealing to very many audiences. The implication that any soap isn't special is really insulting to every soap fan. The, um, I think that statement um, might have some other information in it, though, uh, including what does Les Moonves think is special? What, may, what would make a special soap? Would it mean a soap? It, you know what, what comes to my mind is a soap that only consists of special episodes, and you know what I'm talking about when I say very special episodes. Or, or a soap opera that stars his wife. <laughs> I'm glad you said it because I was thinking it. <laughs> and I, I say that partially in jest because surely a network can't be run by, pe- by, by, by people only giving jobs to friends and family. But I digress. I know. <laughs> but you know, I, in all honesty, I think that. Um, to answer both parts of your question on the first part, uh, one of the problems are that sometimes the shows aren't special. 
Uh, and by that I mean, at one point, soap operas didn't necessarily see themselves as mainly, they didn't think of themselves first as in competition with one another for viewers. Um, of course, that's always been an element of it, but by that I mean, uh, some some soaps were very driven by covering an industry. You know, General Hospital was about the dynamics around the hospital. As the world turns, was a small midwestern town. Uh, you know, the Edge of Night had that mystery element to it. Soap opera wasn't seen as a genre in that all the soaps looked the same. They were seen as a format of storytelling that may have, from show to show, really different focus. And think about the East Coast soaps versus the West Coast soaps, for instance, and the really different dynamics. Of the actors, uh, but you know, as as actors and writing talent and producers, uh, there's this revolving door as they move from show to show, and as networks increasingly think of soap operas as, in some some sense, all the same, um, a lot of these shows don't feel so special anymore. And I think a lot of soap fans retain this idea that their show, their show, when it's at its best or at its essence or core. Is the best show that's out there, but that you that isn't necessarily what they see currently reflected on their screen. And keep in mind that for a lot of these shows, the fans have been with those shows longer than than in some cases some fans longer than anybody working for them, uh, at least in, from a creative sense. Well, that's um, a really good point. So that that you know that I think that's a really tough for soap opera fans, and it's why you get a lot of this uh, fantasy programming sort of discussion uh, from. Soap fans who say, "Oh, if I were writing the storylines myself," because they feel like sometimes, rightly, when you have, for instance, head writers talking about, you know, basically using Wikipedia as their story bible, um, right. or you know, trying to do their homework and catch up on a show, it's very tough for a writer to you know come into the show with decades of history that they haven't followed, and they don't have the resources, time, etc., to catch up uh, that they may have even been afforded. And some other generations, uh, you know, there's not that time to just go back into the archives and dig into the history, and especially now that some of these shows have been on the air forty some years, et cetera. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. For those of you out there who are waiting for Tristan Rogers, we are as well. We think that there may be some technical difficulties in him getting uh, able to call in, but we're going to have possibly the most controversial question of today's show coming up after the break. What is it? Well, you're going to have to tune in. So stay tuned for more of Soap Central Live in just a couple of minutes. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and we're going to add another chair to the panel and welcome one of the faces of General Hospital's golden era. 2010 marked the 30th anniversary of the arrival of Robert Scorpio in Port Charles. Now, though he's no longer on GH, in fact, he'll be making his debut on The Young and the Restless next week, Tristan Rogers has become a very vocal advocate for finding a way to keep the soaps relevant and keep them on the air. So, Tristan, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thank you. I'm curious, there have been so many people, including some former soap stars who dismiss soaps maybe as meaningless or figure that, hey, they've had four or five good decades. It doesn't matter if they go off the air now. What is it that makes you care so much about the soaps? Well, I think it's a very worthwhile genre to start. Um, it's, it's value to um, up-and-coming artists has been absolutely incalculable. I mean, it's priceless, that kind of experience that you get from like six, six months of uh, employment on a daytime show. You just can't get that kind of intensity anywhere else. Uh, I would imagine if all of the soaps were to disappear tomorrow, there'd be a huge vacuum there in terms of that learning curve that artists are not going to have anymore. I mean, you look around at the amount of people that have made it big time in movies who, are, who had significant backgrounds in, um, in daytime soap opera. So, yeah, I think it's worth looking at. I, I definitely think that there's a way to do it. Whether that way will ever be realized, who knows? Well, I know that when you first joined General Hospital, the show was pretty much on the verge of cancellation. So what is it that happened between then and now you have a show that's won 10 outstanding daytime uh, drama series at the daytime Emmys? You know, what happened there to make this big turnaround? Well, you had a woman like Gloria Monty who had a very uh, vivid imagination as to what could happen with that genre because nothing ever had happened to it. Uh, there'd never been anything done to it. I mean, it was pretty much the way it was since the day it was introduced to television. And she said, well, this show's going to be cancelled anyway, so why not? So she just went for it. And uh, if you kind of really have a close look at what she did, she didn't do a whole lot uh, because nothing had been done. Anything that could be done was going to get attention. But she didn't do, she didn't mess with the uh, with the real DNA of soap opera. What she did was, she changed structure, she changed story management, she changed the story subject matter, which she pretty much had uh, a field day with, because in the past uh, stories had been very limited. Well, she kind of took them out of the studio and made them more international in flavor, and. Uh, in, in doing that, a lot of people say, well, she was very subtle about the way she went because she realized that radical change in soap opera is not something which goes over very well. So what she did was she made small baby steps that were significant. And people would say, hey, different about this show, but we're just not quite sure what. And all of a sudden... Uh, all of a sudden, you had General Hospital becoming this incredible standard within the television, the daytime industry. I mean, it was done something with daytime that had never been done before. And, and I think you, you raise an interest, this, this Sam. Uh, I think you raise an interesting point, Kristen, uh, about how revolutionary um, General Hospital was, and perhaps the mistake some, some shows made of trying to copy elements from that show in ways that didn't necessarily play as well on that show? Well, in reality, it really wasn't... People kind of followed General Hospital, I think, begrudgingly. Because, you know, with the daytime soap community, you had a very uh, 
comfortable little existence. Hmm. Nobody had to think too hard. I mean, it was just a nice, comfortable existence. All of a sudden, Gloria came along and rattled the cage and said, okay, this is what I'm doing. If you want to keep catch up, go for it. But nobody ever really did because she, she imposed, especially when it came to story structure and story management, was something that nobody else was doing. They're still not doing it. Uh, and in that, those particular elements, she kind of managed to stay in front, um, and nobody really kind of picked up on it. Well, I want to make sure that there's a couple other questions before we run out of time here. It sort of makes me think of a Catch-22, where soaps may be losing viewers, so they may be sort of not inclined to make any changes, but it's that not making any changes that may be resulting in people not tuning in. So how do you break out of that mold, Tristan? First, you've got to understand what your audience is. I don't think anybody out there except maybe Young and the Restless gets who their audience is, and their audience is an older audience. They play to that. Um, General Hospital doesn't play to that audience. It's the audience they have, General Hospital constantly seeks to um, to lure in the 18 to 34 audience, which on a daytime soap of 50 years in age is kind of tough. I mean, that audience doesn't want to look at its parents' soap opera. So there's this, there's this, how can I put it, uh, reluctance to come across. They want their own shows. There's nothing wrong with that. We only have, believe it or not, we only have about two minutes or so left on the show. And Tristan, I'd love to be able to invite you back to talk more in detail since we had a communication error in getting you on today's show. But uh, I know there are folks who are very excited about you making your Y&R debut next week. It'll be December 8th. We don't want to spoil any Actually, surprises. Actually, it's Monday. Oh, it's Monday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that December has been falsely put out. I don't, that's what, that's the... That was the date given to me when I first started, but it changed as we went along. And I've been told now it's um, December the 6th, Monday. So it's even sooner. We have about one minute before we have to go, but can you, without giving anything away, can you give listeners maybe a little preview of what they can expect from the one named Colin? Well, it's, it's a different character. Um, this guy does have a kind of a shady past, uh, any more than that, I really can't go into it. Uh, the first day, you're not going to see a, very much of this character, but it kind of builds as we go along. I was told some outrageous stuff today, which I think is going to be hilarious. So I, think I, can't, I can't tell you what that is, but uh, it, it's really funny. No, I think that's perfect. And again, I want to uh, extend an invitation, Tristan, for you to come back. Sam and Abigail, thank you so much for being on today's show. <coughs> Thank you, Dan. Thank you, and thanks to Tristan for taking part in the book and the show today. This has been uh, uh, very be informative here. and insightful, and if anything out there for you listeners, I hope that you take away from the show, is that we all need to support our soaps. If we continue to support them today, they'll be there to tune into tomorrow. The Survival of Soap Opera Transformations in a New Media Era is available online from your favorite bookseller, and for more information, you can check out Soap Central Live on SoapCentral.com. Tristan Rogers makes his first on-screen appearance on The Young and the Restless on Monday. So check your local listings. Of course, it's weekdays on CBS. And don't forget to check him out on The Bay, which you can find at TheBayTheSeries.com. If you missed any part of today's show or just want to hear it again, head on over to SoapCentral.com radio for all sorts of listening options for this and every other edition of Soap Central Live. And just a quick reminder, there are also only two more episodes before our special year-end shows where we're going to look back at the highs and lows of every soap in 2010. If you want to find out more, head on over to SoapCentral.com. It's your one-stop destination for recaps, previews, news, and everything soap-related. Until next week, I'm Dan Kroll signing off on another edition of Soap Central Live.
Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.